Hey, you're listening to The House Specials, a podcast brought to you by Peddler Journal, where we take you on a deeper dive behind the stories, the people, and the food in our magazine. Today, we are going to go back to Chinatown, where Hetty, our editor, is going to take you on a journey through her favorite supermarket and show us how she cooks a dish in preparation for the Lunar New Year. So the Lunar New Year is single-handedly the biggest day of the year in a lot of Asian cultures because it's a day where you look towards the future. But if you are a child who's grown up in a Western world, the Lunar New Year is both a step into the future and also a bridge to the past. We're going to find out what that means today. Sunday morning, pretty early, 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock on a Sunday, and we are heading to Chinatown in Manhattan. What do you like the most about New York's Chinatown? Oh, it just it feels... Um, what's the one I've spent the most time in? So I've also been down to the one in Sunset Park um, and the one in Queens, but the one in Manhattan also always feels... It feels a bit like home because it's the first Chinatown I went to in in New York many years ago, and I always remember people speaking in accents that were similar to mine, which is quite unusual. Um, I've been there where people have recognised like where I'm from based on my accent, like where which which province my family's from based on my accent. So I don't think that would happen in many places. Which province is that? So my mum and my dad are both from um, Zhongshan province, which is in the very south of China. So it's a very regional area and the dialect is probably a dying dialect. Um, it's a dialect of Cantonese. When did your parents move to Australia? Uh, they moved in the... I think my dad came in the 50s and my mum came in the 60s. And they met there to get married. It was an arranged marriage. But both their families were from um, the same the same part of China, so the families already knew each other. That's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Where did they end up settling? Um, well, they all lived in the inner city of Sydney, of course, when they first moved. Um, the inner city, which is now the you know the most expensive parts of Sydney, were then the slums for immigrants. So, my dad lived. Um, in Chinatown on Hay Street, um, above a very famous um, Chinese like grocery store called Wing On, and he lived above there with all his like sisters and cousins, and they all lived, um, all of them that had immigrated to Australia all lived there together, and he, then at some point he, you know, with the urban sprawl, he bought the house in Kingsgrove. And his sister moved in next door, so they bought houses together next door to one another. So, and at that time, they were probably the only Chinese family 
in the area. Like it was a very white neighborhood. And Hurstville now, which is like the closest kind of big um, suburb, is probably the, one of the highest Chinese populations outside of Asia. But back then we were quite unusual. Do you remember feeling different? Oh, definitely felt different. Like, you know, you grow up feeling like, so it's like very culturally confused. Like at home we had a very, we spoke Cantonese at home because my mum doesn't speak English. Um, and so at home you lead, you're a Chinese person, you eat Chinese food, you speak Chinese, you have Chinese customs, um, your mum's always telling you, you know, Chinese superstitions, can't wash your hair on New Year's, you know, all this kind of crazy things. And so kind of inside, um, inside and outside you feel Chinese, but then when you leave the home, then you suddenly have to be Australian. Um, so you go to school and, you know, you try and assimilate, um, but you never quite know where you fit in. Like, I definitely felt very displaced all through school because our area had a very high immigrant um, population but not particularly Asian at that point so there was a lot of Greeks and Italians and um, Yugoslav people and I remember the school being very segregated like you know we called them the Aussies hang out down on the oval and then there was a very small Chinese group that hung out outside the library and I just didn't really want to be seen as that. You know, like I kind of felt very confused about whether I was Chinese and I didn't speak Chinese well enough to feel like I really fit in with that group. So I kind of just straddled a few different groups going through school, but I remember not really, f I was very happy when school ended. So I felt like I was never truly belonged in that world. And also like suburbia, like I really, I grew up in the suburbs and perhaps because it, I felt like I didn't belong, that I couldn't wait to get out. I remember I had this dream as a teenager to graduate, go to university, go live in the inner city. And so I felt like maybe I had this idea that the city was like this mishmash of diversity and there so many more things around that you didn't have to be kind of placed in a one particular stereotype or group. How do you feel now though? How do I feel now? Well I guess that's part of the reason I love New York City so much is the diversity and oh this is us. Um, I think that as I've gotten older and now I have kids the, the crave the craving for diversity is more than it ever was before. You ready? Oh yeah. Are we going this way? Oh, you walk around? Okay, let's walk around. It looks like a cool supermarket. One that we'd not be welcomed into, probably. 
What does that one look like, if you could describe it? That supermarket looked very, uh, like it was just for the locals. There are a few stores in Chinatown, who, which I get the distinct feeling is only for locals. Um, they, never have, they never have a store sign, that's number one. Exactly, there's plastic, you know, like a plastic covering over the door. Um, things just look like they're not, <laughs> not packaged properly. Um, I've been to some restaurants here where they've kind of been just ignored because, I don't know, I couldn't say, I couldn't ask for my order in, in, in Chinese. That's the magical thing about New York's Chinatown is because it's so big and it's one of the only places I feel left in New York where it feels like time's completely stopped. Yes. I think what I love about the Chinatowns in New York and not just Manhattan but Sunset Park in Brooklyn and, and Flushing in Queens is that they're actual places where Asian communities still live. So they're not just, they're not tourist traps, they're not they're not there to say, hey, look, our city has a Chinatown. They're actually business, they're actually areas where people live, where people shop, where people congregate, um, and where they socialize. I mean, it's a hub. They don't, I think people who live here, the Chinese communities that live here have lived here for many centuries. The kids go to school here. There are, you know, elementary schools which specialize in Chinese. I mean, it's... It's so inspiring, really. How big do you think this Chinatown is? Oh, it's huge. I mean, we're at the very southern end right now. So we're in kind of a, an area that's called Two Bridges. Can so. you describe what it's like? So I'm having, I've got a view of the Manhattan Bridge. And it's, there's looming buildings around. But then all around us, there's, um, there's a lot of grandma trolleys. And... Um, I think this is where the elder community in in Manhattan is. I think in a lot of areas you don't see a lot of older people, but I feel like in Chinatown there's a lot of older people walking around. And of course there's lots of red lanterns hanging around because um, it's the Lunar New Year in two days. It's early this year. What do you remember about the Lunar New Year growing up? Oh, I loved it. It was like probably one of my favourite times of the year. Um, Apart from, I mean, it's all related to the food probably. Like I would wake up and, you know, I could always, there was this one smell that I always associated with celebrations. What was that smell? The smell was of oil. So I would smell oil wafting through the house and I would come downstairs and it would always be the same site um, with my mother would be perched over her walk and she had one single gas hub because we only only had an electric stovetop but she needed a gas hub for her walk and she would be making um, this glutinous like a deep fried glutinous rice called jindui so it's um it's glutinous rice and then it's rolled in sesame and on the inside you could have it either savory um, or sweet, like with red bean, or my favourite was the one with coconut and peanut. So that's um, something she would always make during celebrations. Um, sometimes birthdays, but mainly it's a New Year thing. Um, so she would be making that, and then throughout the day you just knew that she'd be making so many delicious things that 
There were foods that we only really got during celebration. So there would be her, I'd say, gokje dumplings, um, which is a kind of a very traditional Cantonese dumpling. And you wrote about that in issue one of Peddler. Yes, and I feel like that is probably, of all my mum's recipes, the one that um, I felt like I couldn't make because growing up it was the, the dish that we made a lot together. I would, um, she would make the dough, she'd make everything and I would just sit next to her and help her roll, roll the dumplings and crimp the dumplings. It has a very intricate crimp around the edge. Um, and I always remember like trying to crimp so beautifully that, that it would impress her. And every now and then she'd go, oh, that's quite a good one, not bad. You know, so it's kind of trying to earn her praise through a really good dumpling making. Um, so what are you actually making for this New Year's? So I'm actually making a noodle dish called Ifu noodles. So Ifu noodles um, are not something that we, my mum made a lot at home. I know them as the noodle that was underneath the crab or the lobster at Chinese restaurants. So it's not one that we grew up eating, but it's probably like my, one of my favorite noodle dishes of all time. It's just so simple. It's, um, it's using one very particular noodle though that's I think already been deep fried because it comes as a huge cake. And I'm hoping that they actually have it at this supermarket. Um, and then usually at the restaurant it just has some sh- like straw mushrooms and some like yellow chives, but I doubt we're gonna find yellow chives today. So I'll probably just use normal chives. Um, so here we are, this is the man the Chinatown supermarket of Manhattan. This is the place I normally always go. It's my um, Chinatown supermarket go-to. Um, only because I've been coming here for years, so I vaguely know where everything is. All right. This looks like it's packed, actually. Let's head in. Interesting. What are your go-to ingredients? I just buy like a lot of noodles, basically. I'm a bit of a noodle hoarder, so my, um, my pantry always has every type of noodle. I could want in any occasion. Oh, this brings back memories. Harpin, prawn, prawn crackers. The multicolored ones. It has to be the multicolored ones. Right, I'm hoping they have these noodles. Oh, here they are. Look at this. They're, um, it's a hum- they're humongous. It actually doesn't make that much. They're actually called longevity noodles. It's a huge box. How perfect is that? Okay, I'm gonna reach up. Uh, see if I can reach it. I think I'm gonna be crazy and buy two. Because I know from, from when my mum used to make it, they don't make much. I mean, look at that. This box is humongous and it's beautifully packaged. I'm so happy they have it. Okay, well that's my whole basket, two packets of longevity noodles. <laughs> was it a big celebration at your house? Did you have a lot of family members over? No, normally just our family. Yeah, normally we didn't really have... Is it I because everyone... you didn't have family around you? Or? Oh no, there's family all around. But I think everyone celebrates it in their own home. Um, and then 
at some point we would go see the you know the new year dance the the lion is it a lion or a dragon at new year i never know what animal it is because some people call it a lion i've i've always always seen it as a lion and then the people go oh but it's a no it's a dragon i think because it's it's like the yeah in chinese it's a lung which is a dragon um so we would always go and watch that but yes oh look at our favorite magi seasoning so I want to get this thing that my mum, I guess my mum, um, when I turned vegetarian, when I was a teenager, she started modifying the way she cooked a lot for, for me. Or My sister eats fish, but she's, also, she's pescatarian. Um, so she would start using kind of sauces, like say oyster sauce, for example. Um, she started using this one that's here called the vegetarian mushroom stir fry sauce. So I'm going to get some of that. So your mum altered her own recipes just because she wanted you to be, still be able to eat Chinese food? Yeah. Yeah, so she'd make like um, mapo tofu, but without the pork. Um, all those things that I've mentioned, um, like all those new, new Year dishes, she'd make them without meat um, for me. So Was that something you asked for? No, that was like, her only way of making me eat her food was to take the meat out, so... Um, but she was, I think she's always been very supportive of the fact I'm vegetarian. Um, and particularly, you know, like my mum's like this, you know, it's like she never had the opportunity to be, um, radical because she was brought up in a very, um, suppressed Chinese upbringing and coming from China and having to start it again in a new country in her early twenties and not knowing the language being kind of a housewife I think she never had the opportunities to be really different but I think inside there is like a real kind of rebellious spirit in her and a real independence which she's never been able to express so even me being vegetarian is like a rebellion and I think she kind of likes it to be honest I was just going to get see if they have any do they have soy sauce at home you know, it's funny, when I come to these supermarkets, there's like, like this, so this is a whole aisle of basically different incarnations of soy sauce, but I still look for the ones, the brands that I had when I was a kid. So the ones that my mum would have in her kitchen, they're still the ones that I look for. So can you describe what this All right, is? so this is the uh, downstairs section of the grocery store so this is a fresh produce section so there's a lot of there's produce everywhere lots of greens a sea of green leaves which is rather exciting but then to my left there's kind of raw meat and fish which is less exciting less less exciting to my eyes and my nose kind of it kind of stinks like fish Um, it's busy it's so busy So I probably shouldn't even say this, but I feel like Chinatown is like the hidden secret in terms of produce. The produce here is amazing. And incredibly cheap. Yes, incredibly cheap. Sorry. I need some mushrooms. So they're over here. Oh, I should have got this. Did you ever eat the canned mushrooms going up? Yes. Yes. The round one? Yes. yes. I think I need to go back and get those. 
Okay, straw, straw mushrooms. <laughs> this is what I want. Trying to look for the, the one that looks familiar. I don't think any of these look familiar. This one I think looks pretty good. Right? Should we go this one? Oh, look, now my basket's broken. I think it's a disaster. It's a Lunar New Year disaster. I don't know if my mum would approve. All right. Do All we right. need anything else? Let's or? go to the checkout. Okay. Here we are. Here we are. Oh, do you think the boys will open the door for me? They're fighting. They're just ignoring me. God, look at these boxes. Okay, so I'm gonna use my wok today. This was my mum's wok. It's, isn't it wonderful? Like it's all black. And I think she's had it. I've been using this story for a while that it's 40 years old. So <laughs> it must be closer to 50 years old. I don't know where she got it from. I don't know if it belonged to her mother, but her mother didn't cook. So. So if your mum's mum didn't cook, how did your mum learn to cook? I think she learned from observation. But I also think that, you know, a lot of how she cooks is from instinct. And she just works things out. And that's kind of similar to how I do it. I'm just going to mix the sauce. I'm going to put some of this vegetarian mushroom stir fry sauce in a bowl. Not sure how much though. I'm gonna do double though, aren't I? So I don't know. I'm not really measuring. How did you learn to cook all of these dishes? Oh, um, I don't know. Like, like a lot of it's just through making it up. Um, like, there's no recipe. Like this one, I'm kind of like sometimes I look things up online to have a reference because, like, I'll call my mum. And then I'll look it up online and, and, and try to like come up with something that kind of vaguely makes sense. Um, like this one I've only, I think I've made, only ever made it once before, this particular noodle dish. Because I think noodles can be very generalized. You know, we're just going to have noodles for dinner. But I feel like Ifu noodles is quite a specific dish. So I've put... Um, Vegetarian mushroom flavored stir fry sauce by Lee Kum Kee. Not sponsored. Um, I have tamari. I put tamari. I don't know why. I often just use tamari. Soy sauce is like very salty sometimes. That's how I like it. It's a bit more mellow. I put some sesame oil. Put some sugar. I think I'm going to need more sauce though because I'm going to make so many noodles. So I'm going to put some white pepper in. White pepper is such a distinct taste. We only had white pepper growing up. So for me, 
like nowadays I only use black pepper but black pepper still feels fancy to me like white pepper's what we grew up we only had white pepper like it's much like you use it because it's if you want it to sound if you want it to taste if you want it to taste Asian (laughs) so I'm just chopping these fresh shiitakes you know like growing up I don't think I ever saw my mum cook with fresh shiitakes she only ever used the Chinese stuff you know the dried shiitake Mm -hmm. so until I was probably a teenager I did not know that there were any other type of mushrooms in the world other than the dried shiitake. But my mum says to me that one of the first words I said was dunggu, which is mushroom. So this was the world that was meant for me, was mushrooms. Um, But these are really, the, the stores in Chinatown have the most beautiful mushrooms and for a reasonable price too. What does Chinatown represent to you? Oh well for me it's kind of like the place that I can feel like I can be myself. Like I sometimes when I feel like I'm homesick or missing home I'll go to Chinatown and I'll speak Chinese to people in stores and for me it's very comforting you know we used we spent a we went to Chinatown a lot growing up we had yum cha every Sunday so you know we lived in we grew up in the suburbs so my dad would get dressed up and we would all get in the car and drive to Chinatown which was in the city and you know it's a good half hour drive and it was just what we did on Sundays and so for me it's like Chinatown to me is is it's kind of like my roots. So how does your mum feel about you rediscovering your roots now? <laughs> I think she's like proud of it, but she wouldn't really say it to my face. Like to my face, I think she's, she ex- expresses like, oh, what crazy thing are you doing now? Or, you know, like I think to my face, she doesn't really show. Cause you know, like in Chinese culture, you know, you're always like humility is a big, it's an important trait to have. You never boast about yourself. Um, you don't. You don't talk about successes that much. So I know that she's very proud. I think that I'm bringing these things, some of these old recipes, back to life, and she's proud because I think ultimately she knows that it's because of her that I'm doing it you know it's not I don't my whole connection to food in many ways all stems from my mum and wanting to I guess emulate you know to me she's still like the best cook in the whole world you know because what from what I saw the things that she rolled out every night even though they're not what you'd find in a fine dining restaurant it is like the 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 dedication that someone can put to making just a regular meal you know so I don't I mean I'm not as dedicated as her but for me um, I see everything she put into the food was because that was her way of expressing love for her family and for her children is that 
sense of nurturing. So that, so that upbringing where she was around all the time and was always cooking for us, it's the backbone of everything I do. You know, it's everything I do is because of that. And I try and replicate that a little bit. And in everything we do, I try and bring that out in the world you know, like cooking and sitting down for dinner, it seems like nothing, but it has like, you know, far-reaching connotations for your children, um, for your family unit. Like it means so much. It's so stable. Like we would eat every night at the same time, five o'clock. Because my father, my dad worked at the markets, um, Flemington Markets, as a, like a banana merchant. Um, he traded in bananas with my uncle who lived next door. So he'd get up every morning about 3.30. So he went to bed really early. So we would have to eat at 5 o'clock every day. Like it was so constant. Family sitting down around the table at 5 p.m., was that your mum's doing? Was that schedule something that she had created and made sure was implemented every day? Oh, yeah. I mean, her whole days was about cooking, really. Um, and we needed to eat early because my dad went to bed early but oh yeah it was like her whole thing was making sure dinner was ready by five o'clock you know so she was very dedicated to that task Um, the interesting thing was my mum for want of a better word was a housewife so she didn't drive she didn't speak English she didn't even really catch public transport so my dad would work he would start work early he'd be home from work probably 11 o'clock a.m most days and so then he would drive her to get her ingredients and and do all that um so when he died she basically had to start over you know like she was a 44 year old woman same age as i am right now and she'd lost her husband she had three children I was the youngest, I was about 15 at the time. And she basically had to learn to be a a person for the first time in her life. She had to learn to catch public transport. She had to learn to go to the bank. She'd never been to a bank before. She had to learn to basically live. And I always admired that because she, to have to start out again in your 40s, and having like children you've got to raise you're still raising a family um like i'll never forget that but in terms of like so she didn't she didn't cut corners with the food she still cooked like crazy and and she always really has um and i think that she loves that i'm interested you know because i think it's a huge divide that our lives are so polar opposites you know like she grew up with this hard life and then we grew up in a pretty comfortable life in the suburbs of Sydney and our experiences are different and now I live here and I've all see I've always been the child that keeps leaving home and going off and doing relatively strange things and I think the food is like the common link now like she loves it when I ask when I call and ask for recipes like she just loves it then she likes to tell me I can't make it there's no way I'd better work it out. And then when I send her a photo or something, she's like, wow, that you actually, like, doesn't look too bad. 
you know, so that's like a good, that's like a compliment. Smells amazing. So this is a thing that my mum taught me. You know, like when you put soy sauce with mushrooms, it just absorbs all the soy sauce. Well, she told me to put a bit of sugar on the soy sauce. I mean, on the, the bit of sugar on the mushrooms, and that stops it from absorbing too much salt. Her mushrooms were never like 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 totally absorbed by soy sauce. See, this is the thing. She has all these like strange theories, none of which really make sense. Like they're not grounded in, you know, it's not like she went to a chef, you know, like she's not a trained chef. But I just think there's like everything she learned is um, in the home and just through actual cooking and seeing things and seeing how her elders cooked. And I think there is such merit in that, you know, like... I don't know anything technical about food and neither does she, but you can cook all this amazing food without being a chef and without having like formal training or education. But I think feeling is a big part of how she knows how to cook is she feels the food, she feels the flavors. Um, and I think in, in the modern times, people have forgotten to like, allow the food to, to guide them, to taste it, um, and to see, like, look and see, oh, look, does that look like it's almost ready? Yes, I can, you know, like, there's no amount of minutes that can really explain when something's cooked sometimes. So this sound of the, the wok chan, that's what this is called, this spatula, that's, this is a constant noise in my house growing up. All day, this would go. And probably like this too. These two sounds are like my mum's kitchen. But I hate the sound of the exhaust fan, so I'm going to turn it off. Um, let's add in these crazy straw mushrooms. Maybe some of these garlic chives. I feel from everything that you've told me the older you get the more you you are coming home to <laughs> where you were when you were first sort of developing your identity oh yeah I mean I don't think I ever felt comfortable with my identity until well ever until I started cooking um I never wanted to be Chinese I never wanted to acknowledge that I was Chinese until I started cooking, you know, in, inside I've always been Chinese, like it's always been there, but it's inevitable when you grow up in a Western world and you try, you assimilate and that's who you are. And, and now um, went through my cooking, you know, like even when I started cooking, I was, you know, the salads is what I'm known for. Um, and then I just kind of found myself being drawn a lot to Asian flavors and and I started and when I started cooking more and more Asian food I found myself kind of feeling more like myself for the first time in my life I was comfortable when people would ask me oh 
you know, where are you from? I'd almost want to say, I, my answer is almost like always, I'm Chinese. Now I just kind of think of myself as Chinese, but with kind of all these other influences, like still very mixed up, but I feel much more like confident about being or like at one with being Chinese. And I think a lot of kids who grew up, you know, with these cross-cultural references, it takes a long time to get to a spot where you really know who you are. So right now I'm just, you know, it, inside I'm very much, I feel very much Chinese, but I know that I'm a, a mix of lots of other cultures and that's okay too. And that's, I, I kind of feel like my food kind of reflects that, like it's Chinese at its heart, but it has all these other influences in there too. Um, and it's non-traditional because I'm not a traditional person and that's okay. <laughs> So that's it, we made it. That was the final episode of the first season of The House Specials, coming to you from the team at Peddler Journal. And now we're gonna take a little bit of a break and work on some new stories for season two of The House Specials. If you'd like to follow us, you can find out more at our website, www.peddlerjournal.com. And you can also find us on social media, at Peddler Journal. And until season two, take care, see you then.